Hey, everybody. It's Brittany Furlon from Worst First Podcast. Um, can you just take a minute and pause this podcast and go into your iTunes and subscribe to Worst First? I promise you will not regret it. Worst First is a podcast where I interview all kinds of people from comedians, actors, celebrities, rappers about their first worst experiences, whether it be a drug trip, a bad job experience, a bad date, etc., etc. The stories are crazy. I guarantee you'll laugh. And we have lots of guests ranging from Machine Gun Kelly to people who've been on SNL, George Lopez. It's really fun over here. So do yourself a favor, subscribe to Worst First, and come feel better about your own life. See you then. The heart and souls of Hollywood. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. That's what I'm saying. And she had involvement with a lot of the different people who were yep. here. Okay. God, I feel sad for her. Yeah. She was sad. She spent her whole life trying to find somebody who would make her feel important. She loves kids. I feel like she watches out for the kids. She never got to be one. And at the same time, she never stopped being one. It's Halloween. We're -hmm. all excited for it. It's all happening. We like a lot of esoteric stuff most of the year. But this is kind of where we go a little crazy. We brought you an extra special episode last year. We were in the room that Janis Joplin died, and that was really fun. But we wanted to kind of up our ante a little bit, I would say. We also wanted to give you a little bit of a, a twist. So when I was a tour guide not so long ago, I did a lot of haunted tours in Hollywood. And one of the most haunted places and one of the most interesting places and one of the most like busy with ghosts, one might say, uh, to see as a ghost enthusiast is the Roosevelt Hotel. It's like the one-stop shopping for you ghosts. Got, you get everything. You get history. You get glamour. You get ghosts. You get, you get all of the misery and drama that you love about Hollywood. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Roosevelt Hotel. But not only that, we brought a psychic medium with us to canvas the Roosevelt Hotel. And she, let's just say she had some, she had some thoughts. Yeah, it got really... Interesting, like just being there, you can kind of feel that like, oh, this place is definitely haunted or mm-hmm. allegedly haunted. But when you yeah. bring someone that you know has never been there before, mm-hmm. is like vaguely familiar with it, yeah, and kind of comes at it like from a kind of a neutral place. Absolutely. And she, so we'll talk a little bit about uh, her and where she came from. But she had something. She she went in with no, no information whatsoever. She went in very open-minded. She was very cool with our bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, And she gave us some crystals and stuff, too. Yeah, we both got crystals. Uh But I think we were supposed to get the other one. You know, like, she was like, one's for you and one's for you. And I think I know which one you're going to take. And we took the opposite ones. The ones, yeah, so. We kind of turned it on its head a little bit. So we're keeping you guessing. She's keeping us guessing. The Roosevelt is keeping the medium guessing. Hollywood's being kept guessing by the Roosevelt. It's Halloween. Yeah, it's Halloween. We have some, you know, 
standard mm-hmm. info just to kind yeah. of get you. We're going to get you involved and we're going to uh, take clips from our canvassing around the Roosevelt and put them in. The sound was not great, so we apologize. We will summarize the parts where the audio uh, we wanted to put in but couldn't because it was insufferable. Well, it's not. I think the hotel is probably like not, you know, like concerned, like, oh, will we'll podcast be able to record in here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they don't they care. Never they never thought about, about that, that They ever. never thought about us once when we were in there just wandering around using them for our not own Not spending any money. So selfish. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, exactly. No money. No, no, thank you. No, not a drink. No, no. no. I'm going to sit in your lobby for a little while. And, and we've talk. both been there before for various yeah. events and yes. interesting things. So it's a very cool place if you're ever in Hollywood, mm-hmm. obviously, go. Yeah, and all of the places that we will talk about, you can go very easily. So it's not like anything is behind closed doors. Just have to send us $50 each and then you can just go <laughs> yeah, wherever you yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Roosevelt Hotel itself was built in 1926 and named after the 26th President of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt. It cost $2.5 million to make. It, that's about $36 million today. And it opened on May 15th, 1927. It was financed by all of the Hollywood heavyweights at the time, Louis B. Meyer, Mary Pickford, Douglas Fairbanks, Sid Groman, and across the street from it is Groman's Chinese Theater. So it makes sense. It's in the proximity of all of it. It's on Orange and Hollywood Boulevard on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, the two, it, it's really, it's this beautiful Spanish revival building that you go into. And it was re kind of uh, re- remade as such later in 2015 and like again a little bit like right before like a couple years ago anyway um the 12-story hotel has 300 guest rooms and part of those are 63 suites it's uh spanish colonial revival style like i said the most notable rooms are the gable lombard penthouse a 3200 square foot duplex with an outdoor deck with views of hollywood hills the hollywood sign all the theaters shops outside it's named after Clark Gable and Carol Lombard, who used to stay in the room for $5 a night. Very expensive at the time. And they're probably still around hanging out, you know, on that cheap of rent. And the Marilyn Monroe Suite is named for the actress who lived there for two years early in her career. Most famously, though, is that the Roosevelt Hotel was the first venue for the Academy Awards in 1929 which is really what, when I was a tour guide, we would go there for that. It was, uh, the, the ballroom is still there, that they held it in. It's got a lot of intrigue around that, and a lot of what uh, Linda, our psychic medium, picked up was around the Oscars. That was a hot spot, for that sure. That was definitely. So the hotel went into decline in the 1950s. An owner around the time demolished its archways, covered up its ceilings, painted the entire hotel a seafoam green, if you can believe it. And then it, it kind of went through a different amount of purchases through the 80s, a lot of disrepair. And then in the 90s, people were like, oh, Spanish colonial is actually like a really important part of LA history. Let's try to refurbish it. So it went through a $35, $35 million. <laughs> I'm, still in, I'm still in 20s speak. A $35 million renovation so the hotel could be what it is today. On August 13th, 1991, the city of Los Angeles declared the hotel a Los Angeles historical cultural monument. And it changed hands again a couple of times. And now you can stay there for $300 a night around. And it's, I think now, I mean, in its current state is, I think, is the best representation of it or what you'd want to see. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's just a, 
There's a bowling alley. I went bowling in there. Yeah, you went, went bowling, bowling in this hotel. There's a, like a, I think in the maybe hotel two lanes, Oscars, three lanes. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense that there was probably a lot of, you know, Hollywood brings a lot of stress, disappointment, mm-hmm. pressure, and I think when you have a, a lot of those people that have you know sometimes very tragic mm-hmm. uh, lives, it gets trapped in there. Yeah, and even today. This hotel is beautiful. It's great. You go in there, you experience all of that. Right outside, there are homeless people. It's really rough. It's very touristy. It's pretty seedy. Still, even right outside of this beautiful place, this historic monument, which is pretty crazy. And it's very cool. They just kind of let people kind of, they're pretty Yeah, wander cool. in. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I think is great because most people that are there are there to appreciate it. And I think it's Absolutely. Although when I would take tours in as a tour guide, they were very suspect of that they could they could spot a tour guide they couldn't spot a couple of jews with a psychic medium but they could spot a tour of australians and i when we would try to go in there because they you they know that you're like making money off of yeah i think i mean that makes sense it's like you're profiting um, but you're also giving them publicity people stay a lot of the times i would pick people up from the roosevelt and and take them back there so people would stay there it's again really really beautiful so obviously very haunted, right? Notoriously haunted. There's sightings of celebrities, orbs, little girls, violent happenings have plagued the hotel since the beginning because of this history. So we, again, we brought in Linda. So I was looking for us, I think originally wanted to do a seance for this episode, looking around for someone who could perform a seance in my apartment where we do the podcast, you know, to bring up, I don't know, people who have died around Echo Park. I don't know. We were, we were just brainstorming, just spitballing here. But then I went on this Facebook page and I was like, hey, anyone uh, a psychic medium that could do a seance? And all of the psychic mediums were like, we don't do seance. It was like actually like very taboo to, to ask people to do like a Houdini style seance. But this one woman was like, I have a friend who I think would be really good for this. And then the, the friend commented and the friend was Linda Brakefield Spellman, who is a psychic medium. She has her own company called Light of the Phoenix, where she does reads, energy cleansing, spiritual workshops. She's been on podcasts, morning show. I did a real deep dive on her, um, and she has done a bunch of stuff. This is not her first rodeo. She's really in touch uh, with the spiritual world, and she was really nice and super excited, and we arranged to meet her in the Roosevelt lobby. Hello, Ghost Town. We're here at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. It's a one of the oldest hotels in Hollywood. I don't want to say anything else. We've got a little bit of intro, but uh, I'm here with Linda, and she's going to talk a little bit about her life and experience. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm going to do the five-second version, and then you can ask questions. Five-second, five hours, we're here. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners so might not be, but that's okay. <laughs> so, um, long story short, I was psychic when I was a kid, but when you're a kid, you want people to react positively to you, and when you know things you're not supposed to know, you don't actually get that reaction, so you kind of quit. Uh, I just kind of put it in the background. All my friends growing up, everyone who's ever known me really well throughout my life has known I've been psychic, but I've never really used it for anything. So I was kind of the rule follower. I went got my undergraduate degree, my graduate degree, while I was a single mom working full-time. Um, I went through a lot of actual abuse as a child, but I buried that. I'm, I'm like a class A barrier. I should have a gold medal. Um, and I was just doing my life. I was very successful. I was a VP of marketing at a $3 billion company. And that had taken, obviously, a lot of years of work. But I went out one night, and I was drugged and raped. And 
I effectively won off the rails because it's not the first time I've been raped. Um, and what it apparently did was wake up everything else that I'd been so successfully burying over all of the years. And I started really trying to escape my life. Mm-hmm. I still, you know, I went to work the next day because for me that was normal. It yeah. was normal to be abused. It was normal to be sexually assaulted. And I had a big project I was working on and that's where my focus had always been. So I went to work the next day and I continued on my project thinking that everything would go away like it always had been. And uh, yeah, that didn't actually work out so well. And I, uh, I started just slowly disintegrating. And my boss at one point came to me and said, you know, we're worried about you. You're not as engaged as you usually are. Um, and I went back and I sat down and I thought, you know, he's right. I'm, I'm kind of a different person. So I went and sought help and I was diagnosed with severe post-traumatic stress disorder. And I literally, it was so bad that I had to leave my home and my family and my job and basically my identity as I knew it and go into treatment. Because as a child of abuse, you kind of, you latch on to things you can control. Mm-hmm. And I could control what I did. I can control my career. I could control how hard I worked. And so that's where my identity was wrapped. So when I went into treatment, I didn't know who I was. So not only had I lost kind of all of my foundation, but I was left a shadow of myself and not even knowing where to begin, knowing that I was never going to be able to go back and do what I did. Because as you can imagine, it was incredibly stressful. And I'd been there about, I don't know, two weeks when I started being able to see dead people. So there I was in a facility for mental health, being able to see people that weren't actually there. And I thought, okay, this is not the direction I saw my (laughs) life going. When I got my MBA, I was not sitting in a residential treatment center seeing ghosts. Mm -hmm. And for a moment, I thought I was legit going crazy. I'm like, great, it's done. My life is over. Yeah. Uh, But I had experienced the other side before because of being psychic. And thank God uh, there was somebody there who works there that was metaphysically aware. And I started explaining who I was seeing, the events I was seeing. And he started validating for me that those things had happened on that land, that those people had lived and had had a life on that land. And then he started questioning me about other things, like what do you get when you look over here? And um, apparently I was very, very accurate. And that was the beginning of Light of the Phoenix. Wow. I left uh, treatment and I went into to California actually to continue that. I signed up with a, um, a mentor to kind of help me hone my skills. And it was literally as if, if you consider the dimmer switch on a light bulb, mm-hmm. it was as, as if somebody just turned on the switch. And it was incredible. Definitely not what I saw my life being. But I kind of consider, what I tell people is I'm the volume button on the radio. I just turn the messages up so you can hear them. Talk about, we talk about mediums and clairvoyance. Is there a term or terms for what you do when you explain your, your services to people or your abilities? I tell people I'm a psychic medium because okay. I, the psychic part of me is knowing things that I shouldn't know. The medium part is the communication with the other side, the communication mm-hmm. with the dead. Um, there are a lot of different other skills. You know, I do spiritual energy cleansing. I clear mm-hmm. people of energy, homes of energy. 
um, there's a lot that really I'm kind of just starting. Mm-hmm. So a lot of terms are thrown around very easily these days. And I feel like as long as people come at it with good intentions, I don't care what they call themselves. Um, but I do feel like there's, it's a little bit of program of the month for some people. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that people come to healers, uh, which I consider myself a healer, when they're in a very vulnerable point in their life. And that's a big responsibility. You can't take someone's heart in your hands lightly. Mm-hmm. If you can't help them, you shouldn't be saying that you can. And that's the only problem I have with it. But it's such a blessing. I mean, it's such a blessing watching people change. It's such a blessing being part of that. And I know that they're not done with me yet because I keep having new things come up that I can do that I never would have expected doing. Mm-hmm. So all I can do is be open and try my best to help. As we said, Linda also gave us two crystals. Um, she gave us some uh, psychic information and advice, and then we begin. Okay, so we're starting here at the Hollywood entrance to the Roosevelt Hotel. And we're looking into where the rooms are. We're looking to the right at the ballroom and to the left at the lobby. What are you feeling? Uh, ballroom is heavy. Sorry, the ballroom is very heavy. Yeah? Very heavy energy. Come on, It'll be interesting to see where Griffin does and doesn't want to go. Yeah. Um, Griffin is a service dog who's here with us on our journey. Do you feel anything with that restaurant? Yeah, there's something like right in here that's mm-hmm. like, uh, my heart hurts. Mm. Okay. But it feels like it's happening more in here. Okay. Is this the kitchen area? Yeah, the kitchen area is like, I feel right. Like I would be really surprised if they haven't experienced things in a kitchen area. Interesting. Okay. Can we walk into Yeah, no, no. So we go into 25 Degrees, the diner that's on the right of the entrance to the hotel. It's really noisy, so I'm going to sum it up a little bit. Everyone's into the dog, right? Yeah, the um, dog was, a, was, a big, was the big celebrity in there, but it was very, very loud. Yeah, uh, and, and distract, it's, sometimes a dog is so cute that it can be distracting, and we had ghost business to get to. Um, but Linda is in there, and she keeps repeating, this used to be something else. There's a lot that happened here. There's a lot of heaviness, a fight, some kind of altercation, two male energies. Feels like an altercation. Someone passed away in here, something intense. So she's going around, and it's a very narrow restaurant. So she's in there. She says that there's something intense there, a lot of conflict. She's scanning the area. She says that there's definitely males involved. Somebody passed away, violence, and her head is aching. She's, like, clutching her head. And after further research, it's true I couldn't find anything specifically with violence, but I did find out that that area used to be a lot. It used to be part of the lobby of the hotel, and it really bore the brunt of the hotel's worst years, like the '80s and '90s, because again, it's right on Hollywood Boulevard. It is right up against really busy streets. When the hotel was in disrepair, people would come in and out of it. And according to the hotel's director of entertainment. Uh, and sales, Juan Pineda, and I got this from Thrillist, the lobby felt more like a Greyhound bus station than now what he calls the heart of the hotel. So people are coming in and out. I get how she would feel some kind of like something happening in there. Tough times. Yeah. And people are coming in with their tough times. Exactly. Tough times in the face of the hotel too. So unavoidable, I would say. 
So then we head out of the kitchen and go back into the lobby and hit the Blossom Ballroom. Somebody passed away in there, so oh. Was somebody stabbed here? Here? Ever in, in the Roosevelt? Uh, I'm yeah, sure somebody yes. had to. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think everything's probably happened here, stabbed yeah. or otherwise. Exactly. Yeah. So I definitely got stabbed. They're, they're all like coming out to play now. Uh-oh, they know you're here. Yeah. Let's go this way. What's happening over here? God, there's a lot of people die here. Yeah. Heart attack. Yeah, that's yeah. totally true. Yep. I can't breathe at all. Yeah. Well known. I feel like this person was well known. Because I feel it all the way up on my shoulder, too. Massive. I feel like it was just... Yeah, well known. I did a little research, and in 1959, the boxer Max Bayer suffered what proved to be a fatal heart attack while shaving in his suite's bathroom. And again, like we just heard. Very famous boxer, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> Is the, he? Yeah, yeah, I'm mean, familiar with him. Oh, know, okay. Yeah, I don't I'm know if you're being facetious or no, not. No, I'm familiar I don't know with him. Yeah, no, okay. I am. Yeah, I'm familiar with him. Okay, so he, 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 and he's the one death that I really found, and that's the place where she felt that. Uh, so he had a heart attack in his suite's bathroom. When the front desk said that they were sending the house doctor immediately, Bear responded, no dummy, I need a people doctor. So he was not the brightest. Again, didn't deserve to have a fatal heart attack while he was shaving. But it's interesting that that specific piece of information, again, correlates, and we'll see a little bit more of that as we keep going. So then Linda goes to sit in the nook by the ballroom. And this area has a little curtain. It's an inlay. It's it's wood. Almost like a little throne area, mm-hmm. but not super ornamented. It was exactly. just a little bit like a throne-ish area. Just yeah. from like looking at it. Yeah, so she takes a load off. This is a different energy right here. How, how do you mean? Like a lighter energy, a female energy. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a famous picture taken right here. Not you, Rebecca. No. Yeah, you're not the famous person. I'm taking a selfie here. Oh, no, that's not what I don't think this is what they're... Of course it is. <laughs> okay, this is weird. What? Uh, do you know if Barbara Eden, if there was ever a picture of like Barbara Eden in this? I'm not sure what we can do. We'll probably do the app. Definitely. For Barbara Eden, you know, a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. By the end of the pier at some point. She's the genie, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I also feel like uh, there's another blonde... Um, Oh, she's being very insulted right now. Sorry. Um, very famous. Oh my gosh! Ever since I started talking to dead people, I have no memory. Well, we're, we might get closer to the uh, where this woman lived. Yeah. Later. Yeah. This tour. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because there's another blonde woman who's. This is her place. It's like. Um, Wow, and uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, she's she's not here for sure. She's as elegant, dead as she was alive. Ugh, she really no. is. She's should be so lucky. 
Did this ever used to be like a? Um, I feel like there's little kids. I feel like this. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because I'm getting little kids. We're we're going to some place where there. Uh, okay. You may feel that a little bit more. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I've been punked. <laughs> so I looked around for a little famous picture in that nook by the ballroom and I couldn't really find anything specific or like someone with an old Hollywood starlet but I did find a bunch of Barbara Eden pictures like around the corner uh, when she was being honored for her lifetime achievement award at the Hollywood at the Roosevelt so and that was very close to where we sat I could tell because it had those Spanish tiles and like the little wrought iron um, light fixture which was very very strange very eerie the pictures were really easy to find so I was like oh interesting All right, Elizabeth Taylor definitely hung out at the Roosevelt, but most famously, oddly enough, because it's kind of an adult place, are all the haunted children that are running around the place. Which is the most creepy thing. Yeah, like why? And and it makes sense because it is a hotel, but when you think about Roosevelt, you think about Academy Awards, you know, star power, early Hollywood, you don't really think about, like, kids hanging out. Um, But we went around the stairs that go up to the mezzanine area, and those stairs are where Bill Bojangles Robinson gave Shirley Temple her first tap dancing class, and so we we climbed those. Um, But also around that area, there are these little ghost girls that people will see. There's most famously a little girl named Caroline who haunts the stairs in the lobby. She wears jeans and a pink jacket. She also wears a yellow dress sometimes. Her hair is tied up in a ponytail, and she likes to skip around and sing, so you can hear the singing in the echoey chambers. So when you're listening to all of these clips, imagine all of the ghost echoes that could happen in it. So she, Caroline, little girl, appears like a real girl. She's lost her mom. She's upset. And people will try to find her mom, and then she'll disappear. So then we go upstairs, past a mirror. Gone with the wind. Oh, um... Clark Gable. Yeah. Interesting, this dude that I just worked with, somebody told him he looked like Clark Gable, and that's the first time I've ever heard anyone reference (laughs) Clark, this is twice the Clark Synchronicity. Yeah. weekend. That means you're on the right path, by the way. See? You're not. I'm not. Know this can be. <laughs> it's a competition <laughs> show. Do you know that? <laughs> I think I'm losing. <laughs> I don't think that's the original mirror, but it's that spot right there. I'm sure people have looked spot? in this mirror before, like that. that have something going on, was looking like, what am I doing? It's something with this spot, it almost feels like a portal. What the other side of this wall? The other side of this wall are rooms, um, I think, or maybe a bathrooms. We can go up there. Yeah. This floor? I'm sure at least once. Yeah. And it's probably a given, right? Yeah. I mean, there's some um, there's some people that lived on this floor. Yeah. That weren't I don't think murdered here. But now we're on the second floor. We've gone up the stairs. We're in a little uh, balcony observation area. But there's also rooms up here. Is that a big room? Yeah. Uh, gathering. Mm-hmm. These are all. Um, 
or on this side anyway, um, like party spaces and bars. Yeah, that was where, that was an important room. Are you seeing any like what the importance of this room might have been? Deals were done there, but not. Um, uh, Sorry, it's okay. It's very heavy. It's very very heavy. I feel like this was where um, a lot of the, uh, what was it, best of the best, the, um, the players, the, um, the, uh, the people with the money, the people with the power, the people who made things happen. Oh, God, I have a headache. Um, heavy, really heavy. Well, this is where the first Oscars were held, too. <sighs> okay. Okay. This room here? It, this, this, and then, um, I mean, it was, it was renovated, but 1926, 27 Oscars. Okay. You can, it, that, it's, again, the power, the money, the decisions were made here. There was definitely some uh, back dealing under the table. Um, and everyone in Hollywood's gonna hate me, but it's almost like, it's almost like the mob of the Hollywood. Or, I don't know, it feels very heavy. It feels very underhanded. Mm. That makes sense. Long story short, we didn't really go into that room because it wasn't allowed and they were setting up for a function. But she we did kinda, try. We did try. We, okay. Yeah, we, we did a little, little bit. But we, you know, we're not here to upset people. We're not here to like, Stub in people's toes, but she kind of called it right a little bit with the Academy Awards, the people, all of the things happening, the dirty dealings, which is very eerie, very eerie to me. So the first Oscars, let's talk a little bit about them, were held on May 16th, 1929, exactly two years and one day after the hotel opened when its Blossom Ballroom hosted hosted them. So this got a little confusing because actually the Blossom Ballroom was what we passed when we first walked in and upstairs were the Academy offices, but it kind of still makes sense, maybe even more sense because it's where people did their office work. So the Oscars themselves were not what they were today. It was like a very small private affair. Only 270 people were there. It was kind of just like a 15 minute dinner that people were in and out of. They announced the winners earlier, like months and months earlier. So people knew who, who were the winners and who weren't the winners. Douglas Fairbanks hosted, Charlie Chaplin won, Academy founder Louis B. Um, Meyer, he was a hotel founding investor and also orchestrated a lot of the events. So again, not a, not a big, big deal, but a big deal to us because it's become this, this thing. So in this area too that we're in right now, people also see Montgomery Clift, who might be the lurker that Linda talks about earlier. Cliff has been blamed for patting guests' shoulders and watching maids in room 1928, where he stayed for three months while filming From Here to Eternity. And Eternity, I really, like, I pop those T's. He, you can hear him memorizing lines and playing the trumpet in the mezzanine area. So you can also see when we're in that area, 
Very close was the the 3,200-square-foot Gable and Lombard penthouse, named for the sweet work Clark Gable and Carol Lombard, carry on their secret love affair in the 1930s, and they eventually got married. Anyway, it's right in that same area. The ghost of Carol Lombard has also been spotted. Oh, boy, what a night. Uh, Floating around the upper floors, not as much as Clark Gable, although Linda does mention him when we keep talking. So we're going to keep going, but right now we're going to take a very slight break in this ghostliness to bring you this. I want to talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Still loving it. Amazing. Online counseling, easy. Absolutely. Convenient, which I like. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really like to be beholden no. to a time, and, and there's just no way. And that's what I was used to. Yeah. I was stuck with it, and I was kind of stuck with the counselor. And with BetterHelp, you're not stuck with anything. No. You can switch counselors if you need to. You can do phone sessions. You can chat and text. I was driving to Sherman Oaks for therapy. Okay? Yeah. No more. No, now you can do it. Video chat, regular chat, if you're depressed or if sleeping yeah. issues like I do, self-esteem. Absolutely. relationship stuff. We have 3,000 licensed therapists across 50 states. One is going to be perfect for me. Mm-hmm. I know it. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Ghost Town listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code Ghost Town. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash ghost town. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash ghost town. If you want to hear the full, unedited. All the things. All the haunts. All the, all of the m- remarks that Linda makes. Because we, we only have a, a couple. We have the choice, the hits, right? Yeah. But she said so much shit yeah. all over the place. We have a special episode on our Patreon mm-hmm. of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash ghost town pod. I didn't even want to give you a chance to do no. it and say it wrong. Uh, thank you. I didn't want to Thank you for, for doing that. So if you want to hear the, the full thing, mm-hmm. the whole thing, if you want more, more, yeah. more. And she is so good and it's very insightful and... She, she just, again, we walk her around and she just says what she feels and it is great. And then in the middle, which we'll get to, she gives me a, a big read. She talks yeah. about us a little bit. Oh yeah. So Stick around for that. that. Yeah. You're that got some, weird for you. It got weird for me because I'm I also videoing that. it. Yeah. There's going to be a video of this as well. Yeah. And I am very easily, I don't want to say impressed, but I'm very suggestible and very emotional as one might be. And it is, it's quite, quite an experience. Yeah, so that's patreon.com slash ghost town pod. Mm-hmm. It's there. Go check it out. And you get plenty of bonus episodes. There's got to be 20 something bonus episodes mm-hmm. waiting for you to listen. Yeah. You know what I mean, why they not? They want you to find them. Yeah. They're in the dark alone. Yeah. yeah they're in the scared. Caverns. Yeah. Oh, um, Halloween. Be a hero. Yeah. I had an interesting night. I can't wait. So if you're a fan of true crime, like in the traditional sense, not that what we do is necessarily true crime. I mean, mm-hmm. it isn't some regard and some it wasn't. I went to like a gathering um, from my friend, uh, our friend Jamie at the podcast Murderish. Yeah. It's a great podcast. Check it out. Mm-hmm. And there were another bunch of great podcasters there. But I met. Two very interesting people. If you're inter- interested in true crime, not me. Mm-hmm. No, now, you you wouldn't care. But yeah. so tune out. I'll say the first person I met is a author, and he wrote a book. I guess he's. I would say he's the definitive person. I mean, I I I, 
I don't know. I'm not an expert on uh, the Menendez killings. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book, The Menendez mm. Murders, The Shocking Untold Story of the Men- Menendez Family and the Killings That Stunned the Nation. His name is Robert Rand. Check out his book. It's on Amazon. He was there during all the trials. He, I think, met... The, the the father before ten days before he was killed oh I believe God. in Miami he, we were talking for a while the hell he's got hundreds of hours worth of audio recordings and footage and he was instrumental uh, working with Dick Wolf on the the TV show version mm-hmm. of it like whatever is that the Menendez brothers I don't know what it's called but yeah he was intr- instrumental in that. that and uh, very very interesting and he took. Uh, the one question I ask is like, what's your, what stance do you take? And he says, t- he takes a sympathetic stance. He, mm-hmm. you know, feels that, you know, and listen, I'm not well versed in the story, but then, you know, they, I mean, obviously they definitely kill their parents. Yeah, but they did that. But it, is it murder or is it manslaughter because they were, um, you know, allegedly or whatever abused? I don't know. Yeah. So that's the stance he took. He visits. He just recently visited them in uh, in jail. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. So check out his book Menendez Murders by Robert Rand. Very cool dude. Now th- this next one is going to be is even stranger. Are you familiar with the podcast Dirty John? Pretty popular. Yeah. I I assume if you're listening to this, you have at least heard yes. of Dirty John. It's got. A TV show, very popular, probably as far as like podcasts go, like probably one of the, I know Lime Town's out and yeah. that's a, also a podcast. But Dirty John, I'd say, is the one. Mm-hmm. Even when we've had our discussions with people about doing a TV show about yeah. Ghost Town, Dirty John has come up. Absolutely. I met somebody who is very, very, I guess, probably the most in, in, integral. Is that, am I yeah. saying the right word? That's integral? Yeah. In, integral, right? That's that's Integral? The, Integral part. If you're familiar with Dirty John, I met Tara Newell. Mm-hmm. She. I don't want to give away the podcast if you haven't heard no, it no, yet. No, but like, let's I, just say she murdered <laughs> Dirty John. John? <laughs> well, you said it with a question mark, so that I mean the podcast has been out for so many years. Yeah, and it's it's, like, it's already in TV show right. form. So she is. If you're familiar with Dirty John, she is the one who. Um, in you know self defense killed yeah. dirty and I've never met somebody that I am aware of that murdered yeah. somebody. I would say murdered that killed. I mean, you know, I whatever. mean, can you again? I was waiting in line for my friend's birthday party downtown, and Jason was meeting murderers. So and at I've never, meetups. I've never met, and she was, I mean, so nice, so ch- unassuming, very very nice, mm-hmm. very cool, friendly. We're following each other on Instagram. She's got her own things going on. Like she has, I think she works with the with the show, and she's got podcasts. And uh, wow. you know, yeah, she's a motivational speaker. Um, she works in documentaries. Man, and it must uh, be so crazy. TaraNewell.com. T e r r a n e w e l l dot com. Just you know, yeah. to give her like Check a little. Her out. That That's was so crazy. Something that has caused you so much anguish that you create and you turn into. Essentially, a career path. Yeah, I think she, you know, kind of works with you know people with like you know that have dealt with you know um, similar situations. Mm-hmm. So she's doing she's doing good things, and she's just super cool and super nice. So um, hopefully, well, you know, we were talking about when we talk about doing live shows. Yeah, these gotta, are two people that might show up. Some, some people in our our cadre of of fun, true crime, haunted yeah. people. Yeah. That's right. So let's get back to let's get about our haunted. own thing. Yeah, let's get back to. Um, 
a mysterious blonde in the Roosevelt Hotel. Can Marilyn Monroe spend time here? Yes, she lived here. Okay, that's who I'm seeing. And she had involvement with a lot of the different people who were yep. here. trying to find somebody who would make her feel important. She loves kids. I feel like she watches out for the kids. She never got to be one. And at the same time, she never stopped being one. Linda describes something in her lungs in the hallway, like a stab wound, wound or a gunshot or an illness of the of the lungs. She mentions Judy Garland. We pass by a bar area on the mezzanine, which she thought was like a VIP area that was more of a gambling thing. Sound is not so so great, so bear with us. But her reactions are great. So we're on the other side right now of the balcony area overlooking the lobby. We've just passed through the area where the original Oscars were held. Now we're gonna move back towards the uh, base of the hotel, more towards the rooms. Who took their own life over there? I don't know. I'll have to do some research on that. It might have been called an accidental overdose. Yeah, that stairway specifically okay. goes the hotbed for uh, Shirley Temple, and there's also a little girl that that. Oh, I love here. that. I love the giggling. I couldn't find someone who killed themselves and blamed it on an overdose, which is something she just described. Uh, there's not really, honestly, a lot of straight up like people who died here facts about the Roosevelt's just people who lived and celebrity ghosts who loved to party. So there's a lot of people going in and out. So it's hard to really tell to, to know exactly who she's talking about, but she feels a lot of energy. Obviously the place is such a historic area. All of it kind of makes sense. So yeah. Somebody, somebody, somebody took their own life. Yeah. Up here. I mean, there's probably enough people that have probably committed suicide here to yeah. more than one. I'm pretty sure they called it an accidental overdose. Yeah, well, okay. yeah. It was a male. It was a younger male, like, 20s. Huh. Um, what's his name? Uh, Rock Hudson. Yeah, Rock Hudson was totally here. Okay. I mean, not that, you know, like, 
everyone, so many people pass through here, so it makes sense, but it's so interesting yeah, but hearing it's, here. It's, I'm, I'm, these are, I mean, these are not people that come to my mind. Yeah. Was it perhaps Douglas Fairbanks? Does he have dark hair? Mm -hmm. Mustache? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's who it is. Because he was the one that was looking at, remember downstairs, yeah. I saw someone was looking at us from up here. Very controlling. Yeah, and he doesn't, he lived up here and he's not often, I mean, in my research, he, He's up on the upper floors, so you wouldn't see him downstairs yeah. as much. Yeah, no, he, um, like I said, he's got, and he's got the darker eyes, like mm -hmm. he's got that, yeah. He didn't get his way in something, and he's just still angry about it. But Marilyn Monroe, though, she is such a light now. That's who was downstairs, too, when I was sitting in that spot downstairs. Mm -hmm. It's so nice to feel her at such peace and understand her a little bit more. She also feels like there's so many people like her in this town that walk through here, hoping to see and be seen. Saying it's not all it's cracked up to be. Did the grandfather that's passed? What? Grandfather that's passed? Yeah, he's buried in Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Okay. He's hanging too. You're <laughs> the apple of his eye. Oh, jeez. You were always a light. You always made people feel special. That's so nice. Camera's got very dark bones. <laughs> the spirits are saying other ones. Spirits are saying no compliments for Rebecca ever. Yeah, yeah. Just bad dating. The camera got it. dark. Oh, That's no, him no. playing oh. with it. That's Very him playing strange. with it. Oh, so, yeah? So the three ways that are easiest for them to communicate here is through electricity because mm -hmm. they're energy. So that's what he's playing with it. That's why it happened right when we were talking about him. The second is for animals because they communicate. Animals can see them before most humans can. Whoa. And the third is through dreams. But it's really important now for you to understand. I don't know. If it feels like you're about to go through a transformation in your life. And what he's saying is that it's time. And don't be afraid of it. Don't get in your own way. It's like you need to step out of your own way and embrace this and uh, take the leap. Take the leap, stop overthinking, stop second guessing, and take the leap forward. It's bigger than you think it is. Damn. Maybe I'll finally listen now that my dead grandfather has told me. It also like warmed my ego that she went into a session for me, like a mini read for me. Like I felt like I was really getting my money's worth. 
Um, and it was also very like personal. Well, it must have been very apparent mm-hmm. for her and like kind of like an overwhelming thing that she needed to share because mm-hmm. it's not like you didn't ask. No. Like I'm In fact, I prefer not to know because again, I'm very suggestible. Yeah. So for her to do that, it felt like it came from a place where it's like, I feel like I need to tell you these things. Mm-hmm. Now for me And that's always like that's kind of a fantasy of mine too, to have someone in the grocery store be like, stop like I'm picking yeah. and they're like, stop. <laughs> Don't go to Austin. And you're like, yeah. what? Anyway, go on. I mean, I didn't get any read because I'm I have no ghost. Yeah, I'm you were like well a, balanced. What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, that's she, right. Yeah. She said you were at peace with everything. Yep. You your chakras are good to go. Everything's aligned. A living dead, everyone's just cool with what's going on with you. Yeah, they're just like, cool. Yeah, exactly. But you? Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. She was like, we got to sort this out. We got to do it right now in the middle of the Roosevelt Hotel. And we did. And now I'm great. Um, but there's more to that if you want to get the full episode as we talked about on the Patreon. But she also talks about Douglas Fairbanks and not getting what he wanted here. And she talks about him being a lurker or like, you know, like she talks about this male energy we pinpointed as Douglas Fairbanks, and I did some research on him, and this is one of the facts that I was like, holy shit. So he, she talked about him being a control freak, not getting what he wants, being pissed off. He was perpetually pissed off because he never won an Oscar himself. So he was always been- Not with that attitude. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't blame him. He, like, hosted them. He was a huge, you know, like, hot guy actor at the time. But he- was always bitter because he never won an, an Oscar himself, something that he wanted so badly and was so, so involved with. So I thought that was pretty cool. I'll stumble over some other facts too. Yeah. Just you wait. Then we get into the elevator, which apparently a lot of people have had sex in. Yeah. That was a big thing. That wasn't yeah. ghostly. It was she, just turned like, the, she, like, yeah, she turned the corner on that. She whoa, really, uh, whoa. Yeah. yeah, she's like, humans have sex here very late at night. That's something. There's only one elevator that that occurs in. The other one, like, just... Prudes, you know, all prudes. Exactly, just prudes one side, hot <laughs> Horn- sluts the other. Yeah, horny, horny, horny. Yeah. Oh uh, baby, mm. oh baby. So when you go there, you'll find out. <laughs> you'll figure it out if you are an empath. You will figure out which elevator is the Roosevelt sex elevator. Then we go to the pool and cabana area, and she talks about it being very lively, very like sixties. And it's already like we're there on an, in a weekend afternoon. It's already pretty lively. But she talks about the sixties and saying that she sees people like power couples hanging out. She says the pool is a different color, and she'll start with that and then get into some other things. It was palpable. I guess there's rooms right there. Yeah, it was right there. Wow. Do you know if anybody's passed by the pool? Because I don't think I feel like it's above there. Yeah. I mean, these are all old bungalows that people used to live in. Yeah. I felt it right there. Of course, we could find out like what number bungalow that is, what that would have been. Marilyn Monroe's bungalow, bungalow six, but I'm not exactly sure where that was. Um, it might have been from outside. She's saying these things, and I admittedly was wrong. I thought that Marilyn Monroe was on the other side of where she was talking about. This is also crazy. So I asked the concierge. The place that she is talking about in that last clip, the place that she feels that thing is right below the room that Marilyn Monroe stayed in. Poolside Suite 1200, which is crazy. Gave me chills, even amongst the strong DJ music and fun, hot pool goers. Yeah, with hot tans. 
major players. Yeah. yeah. We also talk a little bit about the the mirror that was in that suite that is in the hotel in on the stairway. That's supposed to be haunted. Marilyn Monroe is supposed to be seen in that mirror too. Um, but the first big commercial shoot that Marilyn Monroe has ever had is at that pool. And it's very early in her career. She's strongly identified in the pool area, up in the suite. And Linda can feel it. So I think, like, overall, we really got our money's worth. We this. did. It was great. You know? It was great. So, yeah, when, when we're, you know, saying, hey, check out our Patreon. It helps to support the show. We're uh-huh. using that to get things you, like this. It's, exactly. To get you more information, to make it more fun, to make it more Halloween-like, to give you a different angle on things that we can't find on the internet. But speaking of internet, I want to thank... Uh, LAist, Curbed LA, HauntedHouses.com, Thrillist for all this really great information. There's so much on the Roosevelt Hotel. Please, if you're in LA, come visit it. To get a read or connect with Linda, go to LightOfThePhoenix.com. She's lovely, and we had an amazing time. So, happy Halloween. We're not there yet, but, but next, we're on week our we way, have, baby. next week we have another special episode. Oh, hell yeah. It's going to get very personal exactly. next week. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that weird. Oh. So. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about L.A. Not So Confidential, the forensic psychology and true crime podcast brought to you by me, Dr. Shiloh, and this guy. Hi, I'm her bestie and co-host, Dr. Scott. She was a cop and I was a Hollywood casting director. Now we're both forensic psychologists working in Los Angeles. We met while doing our internships working with sex offenders. I know, right? Twice a month, we bring you a classic or contemporary true crime story while applying real psychological concepts and dishing about entertainment's representations of those crimes. Subscribe now to L.A. Not So Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. True crime, psychology, and snark. Trust us. We're doctors.